didn't looks... give me options, but it started recording. Okay, okay, great. Um, so hopefully what will happen, this is the first time I've done this over Zoom, so I don't like, don't let me give you the impression that I know what I'm talking about. But... Oh, hi, didn't see you there. Uh, welcome to episode one of the God or Whatever podcast or episode seven of the podcast formerly known as The General Speech. I'm going to need to sort that numbering out. Let's go with episode one. I quite like the idea. New year, new podcast. Um, today's podcast is a conversation with my colleague and, dare I say, friend, uh, Charlotte Mindell. You'll get to meet her in just a moment. Um, but as usual, like I uh, have done for the past six episodes... Uh, I'm going to waffle on a little bit before we start. Um, so, it's 2021. I'm at St. Peter's Church in Alresford. Uh, if you're listening to this, you won't be able to see that St. Peter's Church is a ruined church, a church that burnt down in the 1970s, and now is just a room without a roof, like the uh, Pharrell Williams song. Um, I could like make some tenuous link about how you know doesn't it kind of feel like our world has caught fire this past year and yet here we still stand but i'm not going to do that um i'm not uh i'm not going to do the kind of sermon thing i just think it's a cool place uh i like ruins uh i don't know why i just think they're kind of cool and there's something kind of kind of spiritual about it but maybe not necessarily in a hugely religious way, um, just a kind of spirituality that's kind of accessible and just kind of cool. So anyway, that's why I'm here. I thought it would be a cool place to film this. Um, what do I want to talk about? Just talk about, can we talk about anxiety for a minute? I know I talk about anxiety a lot, uh, but that's because it's something I experience a lot. Uh, I've really noticed it these past couple of weeks. Um, I guess probably everybody has. There's kind of anxiety in the air uh, because of COVID. We've got, the, we've got the vaccine, which is amazing news. But at the same time, suddenly it's mutated and become this much scarier, more contagious virus. And there just seems to be no putting any lid on it. And man, it's just kind of easy to get kind of caught up in how scary it is. Uh, to to doom scroll, you know, to look through the news, to check the social media. I guess probably looking for hope, but really just finding more stories about how fucked we all are. Um, and I'm not sure that that's very healthy. I noticed yesterday uh, I went for just a walk around Colchester, and as I walked through a field, I I noticed a moment of peace. I noticed that just for, yeah, just for for a few minutes, I didn't feel anxious. Um, And I think that's because I got away from all the doom scrolling. I think um, my tendency with anxiety, I think probably lots of people do this, is to scroll through the news, through social media, like I said just now. Sometimes just trying to get away from the feeling. You know, because it's an unpleasant feeling. So just maybe not even looking for news, but just looking for some entertainment, just looking for some fun, something to make you feel better. And what I found 
is that even though that's a really uh, attractive thing to do, it kind of makes sense on one level, it actually just makes it worse. Because even though maybe my body is still, my mind is racing and racing and racing. Um, and so my anxiety always feels worse. I don't get the comfort from kind of addictively scrolling through Instagram that I think it's going to give me. And just stopping for a moment and slowing down and getting away from screens, I guess, almost always makes me feel better. Whether it's reading or going for a walk with a friend or going for a walk myself and just being in nature. Um, sometimes makes me feel like sad, I guess. But in a way, that's not bad. Like, it's okay to feel sad. Um, or sometimes it just makes me feel happy and peaceful. But I'm just more aware of those emotions. And I think, I guess what I'm saying is that it's better to feel that stuff uh, than to try to escape it using screens or, or whatever it is that we use to try to escape it. Charlotte and I, in this podcast, will talk a little bit about addiction. And I wouldn't describe myself as being any kind of addict certainly not in any kind of clinical way. But one of the things that comes up in the conversation is how we're all kind of addicted to stuff. Like we're all, I guess, scared of nothingness. Um, and that, that kind of scrolling, whether, you know, well, whatever it is for you, like for me, it's that kind of scrolling which can become very addictive. And it just doesn't help. It makes you feel much worse. And we talk a little bit about how the tools of faith and spirituality can help us to move beyond those kind of addictive behaviors. I haven't managed to do that yet myself. Um, I'm, I'm still working on it, and I guess I'll probably be working on it maybe for the rest of my life, but hopefully getting better at it uh, as I go on. Learning to not be scared to stop and meditate maybe for 10 minutes, to not be scared that if I'm quiet, the the noise in my brain will become too loud and overwhelm me. Um, but instead, I guess to have faith, uh, you know, whether you're religious or not, but just that kind of sense of having some kind of faith that creation or the universe or whatever you want to call it is good and is benign. Um, and that actually there's less to be scared of than we think, even in the midst of a horrible pandemic. Um, so just a couple of things before I start the conversation with Charlotte, uh, I, well, two, two things I did in the podcast, which I kind of wish I hadn't. One is that I got straight into the deep stuff. You'll notice straight away, I started asking Charlotte questions about meaning and stuff. And actually it would have been better to start the conversation more lightly because I feel like the conversation struggles to get going at the beginning. Um, maybe you'll see what I mean, or maybe I'm just overthinking it. But we get there, and when we get into, into the flow, I think it's a really great conversation. Um, and Charlotte has lots of wisdom, which I think that you, if you're anything like me, will benefit from. Um, the other thing is, I think I'm a bit down on religion in this podcast. Uh, I think I probably talk more down on religion than I actually am. The truth is I quite like religion. I'm not anti-religious at all. Um, I am religious. Um, I like church. There's a reason why I'm drawn to ruins like these. Uh, and I think probably in this conversation, I 
talked a lot about kind of non-religious spiritual practices in a way which I think is good and true and real, um, but which maybe downplays the importance that religion has had in my life. Uh, We talk a lot on this podcast about how negative religion can be, but I also love it, uh, and it's shaped me into the person who I am today, good and bad. So there's a couple of moments in the podcast where I think I come across as a little bit down on religion. Um, Don't take those too seriously, because on the whole, I do quite like religion. Um, That's it, I think. Uh, I'm not going to waffle on for much longer. I will hand over to my conversation with Charlotte. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, if you do, check out her blog. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And... Yeah, I'll see you in just a moment in my study with Charlotte. Um, so, we, so let's get back to it because I thought what we were talking about was really interesting. We were talking about being in lockdown and uh, uh, trimming, well, in my case, trimming the beard and uh, washing every day and like looking after yourself. And I was saying it's a kind of way of tricking myself into thinking I have it all together. And you were saying that self care is an act of love and i have been really enjoying reading your blog since you sent me the link yesterday i've read uh, a few kind of uh, blog posts that you've written and i was really interested in your blog post i think it's your not the one you did yesterday but the most recent one apart from that about surrendering to love mm. um and yeah well i mean i guess what what is that Tell me what that means. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Big question. So I suppose, well, there's, there's not really a short answer. There's just like a long and a slightly less long answer. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for me, I've really explored, I've been, I've been forced into exploring this idea of surrender um, because I I think I I grew up with an eating disorder um, but it's something that really like uh, accelerated for me in my uh, late teens just starting uni after like my first breakup um, and then accelerated for like throughout university and then afterwards and um, and then I got into recovery about four well about actually six years ago six years ago in December um, but it, it actually for the first two years of that process it actually got worse and I went into a treatment center and things like that but I already started like exploring these ideas of like acceptance and surrender and so what the journey that I've been through which I'm happy to go through in more detail but I suppose like surrendering to love what that really for me what an eating disorder is I believe that we're all born with with a a very sort of powerful, loving soul within us. And um, when we reject that, when we reject any part of ourselves, we reject love. And so 
when for me an eating disorder is like a rejection of a part of my being I didn't find myself to be acceptable I didn't believe I was acceptable I didn't believe I was enough I didn't believe I was worth loving or lovable and so as a result of that I I I rejected love and so I wasn't able to practice love towards mm. myself and instead mm. I like created a lot of harm actually um, in in my behaviors both towards myself my behaviors around my my food my bulimia my compulsive exercising uh, you know restricting my diet but also so much harm in the way that I spoke to myself when I when mm. I d- dared to look at myself in the mirror um but also harm in my relationships I wasn't able to be present I wasn't able to like express love even though I you know I did have love within me I don't believe that ever went anywhere but I wasn't able to connect to it and so surrendering to love I suppose for me is like is recognizing that they're accepting being accepting of myself and my life in order to connect to that love yeah incidentally i do call god okay okay um they're like one in the same thing that's cool and is that so um you calling that love god is that like is is religion like a part of your like spiritual understanding your self-care like that kind of stuff or is it god in a sense that's kind of detached from organized religion i know from conversations at work that you have uh, you you brought up in a jewish family is that right and but obviously i don't know to what level that's like is that something you practice is that like where, where are you with all that stuff yeah that's a really interesting question um so i found i found god through through spirituality, through recovery. Um, That's what I found God. I'd learned about God through religion. That's interesting. um, I did, I grew up in a uh, practicing Jewish family, a reformed family. So we weren't Orthodox, but we did, uh, we did practice um, Judaism. We kept sort of kosher in the household and, um, me and my siblings all had bar and bat mitzvahs and we kept the Sabbath dinner on a Friday night and things like that. So um, there was a lot of uh, tradition within my family. Um, There was a lot of Jewish identity. So um, I think, you know, for me, there's something about being about the Holocaust as a part of my identity because, um, you know, obviously that, my my grandparents i had great grandparents until the age of about 11 or 12 i think and you know that was something they'd lived through and it was very wow. much part of like the jewish identity actually yeah. um and so it was something that yeah we learned about we learned about uh the value of community and sticking together but yeah it's uh, when i when i think about oh when I think about God, God is not connected to my religion, but there are, there are parts, there are things to do with my religion 
that I feel are spiritual. But for me, the practices that religion have given me have been so much more to do with like community and values and family um, rather than rather than like prayer and God actually and that's something that I feel like I've developed later in life as a part of like exploring um, my own spirituality and what it means to be spiritual um, mm. and what that feels like for me personally so yeah I, I actually see them as very separate things but I've but Judaism is like very much part of my identity, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't say it's like a huge part of my faith actually. Yeah. That's really, that's so interesting. And it's a, so, um, so before I uh, started at the place where we both now work, I used to work for a cathedral for eight years. So um, I, uh, and as part of that, I was chaplain to a mental health hospital and, um, re- and religion was, like everything that I did, like career-wise, like job-wise. Um, and it's, it's really interesting hearing you say that because my reflection looking back on that time is that a lot of, like, especially when you get into like faith schools and that kind of stuff, it's exactly what you've just described. Like we teach people about God. We teach people about the concepts of religion and that kind of stuff. Um, but we don't necessarily teach people how to navigate life we don't teach people how to deal with hardship when it arises and often in my experience religion can when it's done badly can almost make those things more difficult because there's more of a sense of kind of like i should be able to deal with this because i have religion you know so having grown up in the church when I had my own grapples and I say that as if it's past tense, I still have my own grapples with mental health with anxiety and depression. But when I go through those moments, there's a part of me that almost kind of feels like I should, I mean, this is an awful thing to say and I don't mean it, but it's, it's a felt, it's a felt thing. It's almost like I should be better than this, you know, because I've got God, I've got religion. Um, it's not quite so strong a feeling anymore, but certainly it was when I was a teenager when I was growing up, you know, because there's a message of like, once you, once you've accepted all of this stuff and you believe it, everything should be great and easy. And like everything is sorted now because you've got Jesus or you've got religion, whatever it is. Um, And it's just really interesting how, yeah, sometimes actually religion can make that stuff harder to face. And Mm. I found it really interesting working in a mental health hospital as a chaplain um, because the people who are in the hospital grappling with their mental health things and talking about it in a real like honest way, like quite separate, quite detached from the kind of the, 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 the boundaries of religion um, really helped me to understand my faith a lot better and to make sense of it. So it was almost like rather than going in and helping people who have mental health problems by offering them religion. Actually what happened was that people who have mental health problems helped me to understand my religion. And it was a, almost like a conversion experience for me going through like, like that kind of stuff. Um, I think it's, um, yeah, this idea of I've got God mm-hmm. um, is really interesting because, well, it's something that, um, like my partner shared with me I might mess this up because I've never seen Star Trek and I think it's a Star Trek thing but there's this word grok where you grok something I think it's a Star Trek thing I might be completely mistaken. okay but anyway where you grok something it's like 
you you get it but you can't really explain it but you just get you just like you know when you have that feeling like I really understand that thing yeah and for me like God God has to be grokked like yeah I have to feel I have to experience God and I think that's where the difference is for me like actually um where I learned about what not where I learned where I found God um it's encouraged or suggested that you connect to a God of your understanding Mm -hmm. so it's not a God that's dictated to you it's not a God that has a shape or a gender or a color or anything like that and I think at the beginning of that process I found it really helpful that like God was something I think it was a you know I I suppose people's gods can be in the universe in nature in a pic you know a a picture of a man with a white beard um Mm. obviously in Jesus like you know so many things and um for me it was it that you know I did need something that symbolized God for me to be able to connect to it But today, and I suppose that's why I say like to me, like God is love because like God has no shape. It's has no shape for me. It's something Mm -hmm. that just I experience. It's something that like when I, when I sit and connect to like a loving God of my understanding, Mm -hmm. I just feel lighter. I feel like at ease. I feel trusting I feel accepting and that it's you know it's a feeling it's not something I wouldn't even know how to explain to somebody else how they would get that yeah you know yeah and and so it's really interesting this idea like I should be better because I've got God Mm -hmm. like it's yeah it's I don't know it's like that taught idea that you know, God, God will keep you safe or whatever. It's like, yeah, but if you don't, if you don't trust, even trust yourself, like to trust something else to keep you safe, yeah. then like, how you know, how can you truly believe that? And, and I think, you know, it kind of ties into something else that I've explored around prayer and like different types of prayer. And I like often nowadays, prayer for me I pray every day in the morning mm-hmm. um which I never did I never did as part of a religious practice so um, it's very much, yeah it's very much like part of a spiritual practice for me mm-hmm. um but my my prayer is very much like grounded in gratitude and in thanks and mm-hmm. um rather than rather than sort of asking for things yeah um other than usually to sort of be guided in God's will for me. Yeah. That's about as much as I ask for, which I think is very different to perhaps what I thought prayer was growing up. Definitely. I mean, I so strongly relate to that. I can remember growing up in the church and being, being taught to pray, but in quite a kind of formulaic way. So I can remember, um, as a kid being taught the acronym like so about teaspoon prayers so in a recipe book teaspoon is abbreviated tsp and t stands for thank you and s stands for sorry and p stands for please and so when you pray to god you start by thanking 
him and we did talk about God in, in, in a masculine way. Start by thanking God for whatever it is that God's done for you. And then you say sorry for all of the bad things that you've done on that day. And so you kind of, you know, even as a kid, be going like, sorry for being mean to my sister, like that kind of thing. And then please, you know, please help, you know, Aunt Joan to get better soon. Please help me to get a PS5 at Christmas. Well, you know, whatever it is. And it was quite, quite kind of structured and quite kind of like, okay, this is, this is what I'm supposed to do. So every prayer starts, dear God, and then thank you for this. Sorry for this, please for this. Um, and I would, so I would pray uh, a lot while I was growing up, but always with that kind of formula, with that kind of like, it didn't feel like it was coming from a deep place within me. It felt like it was coming from uh, this is what we're supposed to do kind of a place. And I would say since since having left some of that stuff behind, so I still would call myself a Christian. I still would call myself religious, but I don't go to church every Sunday anymore. And I am certainly not an evangelical Christian anymore as I was growing up. Um, and since having left some of that stuff behind, I would say that my, the way in which I pray has almost become uh, like the religion stuff has almost been taken out of it. Um, so for example, you mentioned gratitude earlier on. So at the end of every day, I have a gratitude journal and I just bullet point things in that day that I'm grateful for. And there isn't any religious language involved in it. There's no dear God, thank you, sorry, please, amen. It's just kind of this, this is the stuff that I'm doing. Um, and I try, you know, and don't always succeed at, uh, to meditate every day. Um, and again, there's no religious language there. There's no dear gods. There's no thank you, sorry, please, or amen, but just the kind of sense of if I believe that God is here and now, then the way to connect that deeper place in me to God is by clearing the approaches, by kind of clearing out all of the kind of crap that's in, that gets in the way of me hearing and being connected to the kind of source of life so even though i would say my prayer is well it is definitely less religious than it was it feels much more real and it feels much more connected now to to where i am and i do still every now and again uh i especially if i've been through like a difficult time or experienced some slight trauma or whatever i do still have a real urge which which is fine which is good to go back to the religious kind of way of praying so somewhere downstairs i've got like a book of prayer like a kind of catholic -y kind of book of prayer and i'll read through that in those moments where i kind of feel like i just need you know to put on the old comfortable slippers of religion you know that i grew up in it's just it's a it's a comforting and a re reassuring thing um but that tends to happen in moments where i like acutely am aware of like messiness within me um and then the rest of the time my prayer life feels quite detached from my religious life so it's quite yeah it's quite interesting yeah i think um it's interesting i, I kind of relate to what you're saying and i think um i don't know if this is controversial or not but for me like religion religion are is based on stories of people's spiritual experiences and mm -hmm. but they've so the way I think about religion is someone's had a spiritual experience and they've shared it. And then other people have, 
been have needed something to guide them in their spiritual experience and actually religion for for me has been born out of fear out of fear of having of exploring our own spirituality of believing that we are great and magnificent and loving and spiritually able souls Mm -hmm. and so therefore within religion there is obviously this beautiful core of spirituality and then what I think what has um, led me to stray stray away from kind of having a religious practice a bit has been the periphery of fear that Mm -hmm. is is in religion and it's really interesting you know um the fact that your that your prayer included any sorry you know my god is forgiving my my god there is no punishment Mm -hmm. like with within the god of my understanding there is there are unloving choices that i've made for myself well i will suffer enough as a result of those loving choices so i don't need a punishing god in my life and it's I've you know I, I have I have the choice to make love-based decisions or fear-based decisions mm-hmm. and um you know I absolutely think there are um prayers from all religions that are beautiful and powerful I love um the prayer of uh saint francis of assisi is Mm -hmm. you know a wonderful prayer it's not a prayer of my own religion there are you know um lovely taoist writings that i love reading and when i do still go to synagogue as part of i guess my my religious traditions i look for the love in the prayers because it absolutely exists and i think it's just for me the reason you know i don't know if it's just because of you you know I'm I'm stubborn and I don't like being told what to do but being able to explore my my own spirituality and have a god of my own understanding is so much more powerful to me than being told like these are the prayers you must say and therefore you're going to live this kind of life and then this is what's going to happen to you like having having a God of my own understanding of, of kind of love and openness and forgive forgiveness um, and a God who only wants the best for me, only wants the opportunities that are meant for me to arise. And, you know, it's, it's so much more powerful to mm. me. It brings so much more to my life. And so, you know, I think like definitely there's, there's no shame or nothing wrong with going back to those prayers that you connect with, you know, yeah. from, from Christianity I think you know there's so much beauty in prayers and I think to to me like when I hear people talk about their spiritual experiences we're we're all having the same experience it's just being it's just maybe being described slightly differently but ultimately I feel like it is all it is all part of the same thing you know Mm -hmm. yeah completely I I I feel like um like let's say so of the of the 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 big religions you know the the Abrahamic faiths, and then Buddhism, Taoism, Hinduism, the the, the Eastern faiths. I feel like, uh, as you say, the human experience is something which is shared across all seven and a half billion of us, and and throughout time. And these are almost kind of like, um, 
so like I've been recently, so a friend of mine asked me whether I could teach her some French because I speak French. I grew up in France and uh, my French is a bit rusty. So I haven't spoken French in a little while. And I kind of said, you know, I, I really want to take up the opportunity, but I need to brush up on my French a little bit. So during, especially during lockdown, I've been watching Star Wars animated series on Disney Plus, but watching them dubbed in French, um, just to kind of get my brain back into like. So, if you want to talk about the dark side in French, I'm the man to come to. I know all about. I couldn't ask you how to get to the train station, but I could tell you how to resist a Sith Lord. Um, but the point <laughs> is that there's kind of like here's the story, the Star Wars story, but dubbed in French, it has a slightly different vibe to how it is dubbed in English, and because you can't quite translate things exactly as they are because they're, the, you know, the turns of phrases and the expressions and the way in which people articulate things is different across different languages. And I kind of feel like there's something about that with, with the big religions that we're all exploring kind of the same story or the same stories, let's say. Um, but we have different cultural experiences. We have different ways of feeling things. We have different kinds of ways of expressing stuff. And so I, I, th I mean, I have found in my experience of talking to people of different faiths, generally speaking, we've got more in common than um, not in common uh, in terms of, you know, the stuff that you've already articulated, believing in love and justice and peace and forgiveness and that kind of stuff. And then the stuff which is different kind of feels like it's almost like froth, you know, it's kind of like it's it's fun and it's interesting and I, I love to hear about it and I'll happily tell you about my stuff. Um, but it doesn't really matter. What matters is that deep core stuff, which I think we're kind of experiencing the same kind of things, but articulating it slightly differently. So whether you call it Dharma or God or Yahweh or whatever, um, I think we're all kind of dancing around the same kind of thing. Um, which is something that in the religion that I grew up in, I would have been labeled a heretic for saying, because, you know, the whole idea was like, no, no we have to, the, the whole thing is that we hold the truth and the others are wrong. You know, the other guys, they're lost and we're the ones who are found. And you were just describing that thing about fear. Like it was very much kind of like, you know, if we're not God's unique chosen people, then what's the point in any of this? Like why make our lives more, why come to church to be bored on a Sunday morning? Like it has to be like, yeah, there, there's that real fear about it has to be about us being right and everybody else being wrong. Um, which is something that I don't, yeah, just don't, don't resonate with at all anymore. Like I, I'm so interested in hearing the different languages that people use to express the idea of God and peace and coming home to oneself and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, so, I so relate to that. Um, because Jews are God's chosen people. Of course. Um, yeah. You were it before we were it. <laughs> so, um, and, and to me, yeah, to me, um, I'm not that that's, that's an egotistical view. Um, it's, it doesn't really matter to me. Like I, I, I care much more about equity and social, well, inequality, but social equality and, um, you know, being of service to people where I can be. And, and so, you know, God loves me. God, we're all, we're all part of God. We're all God's children, however you want to describe it. I don't, you know, I, I think 
I think, as I said, you know, I think those ideas are really formed out of fear and they're the ideas that, that drive war. And it's, you know, it's really interesting. Um, it's really interesting because I don't know where I'm going with this, but I believe we're all spiritual, but I really felt there were times in my childhood where I really connected to that. It felt really powerful. And, I, and I, you know, I never thought about spirituality when I was a child. I just remember there were moments where I just really deeply connected with something and I just sort of remember them. And so I think, um, oh, why did that come to mind? I think it's because, ah, oh, yes, because there's, as you said, there's, there's this human experience that includes sort of pride and greed and anger and individualism and isolation. And that's, to me, that is the human experience. It's not the God experience. Yeah. And yet we, it, it feels as though God can be used as an excuse for not knowing what to do with that experience, for that experience feeling as though it conflicts actually with our spiritual experience. You know, as someone today who really tries, I really try hard to be loving, be tolerant, be understanding, be compassionate, be of service. I'm not always those things. Sometimes yes. I'll try and take control over, you know, what someone else is making me for lunch or, you know, I'll, I'll take charge of a meeting because I don't believe that we're going to get to the right answer unless I give it or mm -hmm. whatever it is, you know, just those funny moments where I could have just sat back and actually, you know, uh, you know, sort of let things let things go um and i think that uh yeah it's it feels as though sorry i'm not articulating this very clearly because i'm just sort of forming this thought as i go but no, it's just i'm with you i'm with you <laughs> cool um yeah it, it feels as though if at some point god became the excuse for those things we're allowed mm -hmm. to behave in this way because of god so and so and so yeah, yeah. and actually that's that's what doesn't resonate with me actually i don't care about being a chosen person my ego probably does my ego wants to be the best and the most famous and the most well known and and you know the most thought about and heard about and whatever but but me actually like i just want to do whatever the best is that i can do in that yeah. day and be the most you know, helpful and loving person that I've got the capacity to be in that day. And so I think, yeah, that's, that's what, that's where I really relate to you. And like, it doesn't resonate with me about being this sort of chosen being and therefore I can get away with these things. Like yeah. I'm not interested in getting away with stuff. Actually, I'm interested in like working towards being a more loving human being. And, and to me, like, you know, eating a certain way or you know praying a certain way or standing a certain way or bowing a certain way like it doesn't it doesn't matter in terms yeah. of me becoming a more loving human being yeah yeah absolutely yeah I, th I feel like um uh i i have so much experience of um religious people and i i include myself in this certainly the younger version of myself um being 
actually really arrogant um, because they're so convinced or let's say we're so convinced of our rightness, you know, so convinced that we hold the key to understanding this thing that we can be completely dismissive of any other point of view. Um, I remember uh, when I was working at the cathedral, um, we, we hosted a debate between uh so both christian guys but one of them was a uh six-day young earth bible creationist like you know bible literalist kind of guy and one of them was a physics professor at oxford university who uh taught and believed in the theory of evolution and and the big bang and, and all that kind of stuff so there's a debate between these two sides and there was one so this was a debate for young debate for young people and one young guy, you know, six form aged kind of kid kept on coming up to ask another question. And his questions were always really loaded with venom towards the guy who believed in evolution because he was really sure, uh, you know, 16 year old dealing with a 55 year old Oxford professor. The 16 year old was so sure that he knew more than the Oxford professor. And I remember kind of seeing a reflection of myself in, in, in the kid and thinking like, that's just the arrogance. And and it's missing the point because the point of Christianity, the point of religion isn't to be more right than somebody else, whether it's about how old the earth is or about how to pray or how to eat or whatever. Um, it's to love and to be, to learn how to love and to learn how to be loved and to be more open to other people and that kind of stuff. And I feel like, you know, going back to that thing about the core story, which all religious traditions share that kind of human narrative and then the superficial froth stuff, it feels like those kinds of debates are all about the superficial froth stuff. Like we've completely missed the point. And it's mm. like, we'll murder each other about how to spell a word while missing what the word is actually trying to tell us, you know, we're completely overlooking the meaning uh, behind the whole thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You should say that. Cause I guess, as you just said, it's those, debates it's about the froth it's about like the complexity and actually when I when I feel really connected and loving I really welcome the simplicity like my obviously I have basic human needs mm -hmm. but otherwise I don't desire material things I don't desire a promotion or uh you know a new car or a holiday or whatever it is because actually something that I realized uh perhaps last year was that m the most peaceful feeling to me is is contentment it's not happiness like happiness mm. is something that happens like on a pendulum it's a scale it's like quite a relative feeling and actually there's like a real peacefulness in contentment for me which is also like very simple it doesn't need all of those debates and all that complexity around it and I think for me those things yeah they're they're points of of difference but for not much reason it's just yeah it's exactly as you said it's kind of um about being the best or knowing the most or whatever it is and um for me like spirituality is is hugely powerful uh but can be extremely simple and yeah yeah doesn't doesn't require complexity it doesn't require me going and sitting on a mountainside and living in a hut um mm -hmm. in order to connect 
with God. You know, I can actually do that. I've, I've connected to God on the London underground before COVID when it was full of people and someone was standing with their armpit in my face, you know, (laughs) it doesn't matter where you are. If you're able to just sort of come into yourself a little bit and, and, and find that thing within you that's really like peaceful and loving, then that's, you know, we, we all hold it within us, like any of the external stuff, like it doesn't really, Mm -hmm. really matter. And it's, you know, I guess just my experience um my experience of of understanding spirituality and of of understanding what what it means to connect to a god of my understanding has been like profound changes in my life um in in the way i'm able to relate to others and like be in relationship mm-hmm. to other people um and and just be like, just be with myself without so much of the discomfort that was there and, and uh, treat myself with so much more love. And even, yeah, I was, I was doing, I journal every morning um, and it's just a way of like connecting to myself, I guess, and seeing what's going on. And that's, I write my prayer down like in my journal in each morning as well. Mm-hmm. And I think I was reflecting on, on this podcast and I was reflecting on a, a, a meeting that I was in last night where actually we were also talking about God and becoming willing uh, to believe in God and um, yeah I just caught myself in the mirror afterwards and I just I just smiled at myself and said I love you and it's like it's such a it's it's something that you know four or five years ago that I really didn't love that person and it's been a result of like finding finding and understanding my spirituality that's like allowed me to love myself and I you know I haven't I have changed but my my vessel like my external being like really hasn't changed a lot and the things I have like my family and you know a job and things like that like those those things haven't changed but there's been like such a fundamental shift within me and the way I'm able to even like relate to myself as a result of of finding finding god i suppose and connecting yeah god and yeah that's something that i think it probably could be found in religion if that's the way that you connect you know Mm -hmm. i think it's it's you know and but i but i don't think that's yeah i don't think that's for everyone or the way that everyone will find like what god means to them absolutely i agree and i've got um uh, you can't see them because they're onto my webcam, but I've got like uh, here on my desk, like I've got a little collection of books, um, like mostly from kind of spiritual authors of people who kind of have got to that place that you're describing, you know, of kind of feeling connected with God and learning to love themselves and that kind of stuff. And there's a real mix between some classic religious figures, like one of my heroes in the Christian faith is St. John of the Cross, who who had this real kind of, this amazing experience of God and he, you know, he uses almost quite erotic language to talk about the love between him and God and God visiting him in his prison cell and that kind of stuff, which is really like classically religious, like classically, you know, we, we, we celebrate St. John of the Cross's feast day in the church and that kind of stuff. Um, and then just kind of, uh, like Dante is another one, like the poet Dante, who I really love because he's so earthy. And in um, the the Divine Comedy, 
he gets led through hell and through purgatory by uh, Virgil, the Greek poet. But when he gets to heaven, it's just a girl who he fancies who leads him through, you know? So in real life, he was infatuated with this girl, Beatrice. And it's just, you know, he has his, his, his crush is the person who leads him through heaven. And there's just that very, like, even though Dante uses a lot of religious language, he feels quite irreligious in the sense of it's just, it's so kind of earthy and real and, and broken away from those kind of confines of religion, um, mm. which, you know, certainly when I was growing up, you know, I, you know, the idea, so, so we were, we were always told, you know, the language is always like, you know, God loves you no matter what it's unconditional love. But then there's like cognitive dissonance because you have the same God who, condemns people to an eternity of suffering in hell and how do i know that i'm one of the ones who he loves and not one of the ones who he's going to condemn to hell for all of eternity so there's always great like fear uh, about god as well and so any feelings about like like what dante writes about like fancying somebody or you know those kind of earthy kind of feelings were almost things to kind of be like no don't think too much about that like better push that down because that's not really what what god wants what god wants is for me to be all like a like a jedi knight do you know what i mean like completely detached and serene and at one with god and no earthly desires kind of matter mm. um which is still like like on an intellectual level i moved away from that expression of religion 15 20 years ago but the emotional baggage is still there like i still have like you know, if I find myself enjoying something just for what it is, there's still always a little voice in me that's kind of like, mm, could have given this money to the poor. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, there's still always like a, like a guilty, like, you probably shouldn't be enjoying this too much because it's, it, you've probably done something wrong if you're having too much fun. Um, that's still there. And that's hard to shake, man. That's like, yeah, it's, it, it's deep, deep, that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, um, just speaking of books, there's a book that I love. Um, <laughs> um, obviously, the name has gone out of my head. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it's called A Return to Love, and it's by Marianne Williamson. And she actually, it's her sort of discussing A Course in Miracles. And um, she, she talks, yeah, she talks about our fear of being great and I guess it's this you know this um similar idea of kind of oh I shouldn't be enjoying this too much because I'm you know I could have given it to someone else or whatever it is and I guess there's I think I think at least in my experience you know I've had that just in a different way I've just you know I developed a, a belief a long long time ago that I am not enough and so mm -hmm. you know there's this constant little voice that's maybe comparing me to someone else or um well I mean that's enough there's a lot of comparison to other people and it's something that I try you know I try to let go of over and over again it's something I probably am a lot more able to let go of because I'm like a lot more aware of it these days but there's also like if I if I'm comparing myself to someone else I'm not recognizing like my own greatness I'm not like allowing me to just be me because mm -hmm. like me will be different to everybody else and yeah. Yeah, like the things, the things that I'm good at will be different to others. And 
it's I feel like um I feel like it's happened a lot this year actually as a result of kind of working more over zoom and not kind of being around that like personal interaction like in mostly in an office I think it's been at work it's it's affected me the most and I realized that when I when I don't allow myself to be I I approach life from a place of of lacking like I'm lacking being enough and what that means is kind of I treat other I treat other people from that place so I don't believe maybe that they're enough either or or I don't believe there's enough to go around and actually when I'm willing to accept my greatness because by the way we're all great like we're all great mm-hmm. beings and that's something I just have to say to myself because it's something I forget all the time. And I'm able to come from a place of abundance and remember there's like, there is enough to go around. Like there's enough, there's enough love. There's enough opportunity. There's enough money. Like there just is enough of everything. Then I'm, I'm just able to be so much kinder and like more, more uh encouraging and like empowering and it's something that like i really i really care about being like i want to i really want to celebrate other people and like other people's achievements and like yeah. when i when i'm not believing that i'm enough like i can't i can't do that there's just this little evil part of me that's like no why yeah. have you got that not me and Definitely. actually when i'm like when i'm able to like recognize that i am enough that i'm able to like really celebrate other people as well and be like mm-hmm. yes let's you know let's like raise you up this is amazing whatever you're doing and it's such a it's just such a nicer not even nicer just like more powerful place to mm-hmm. come to come from um and and yeah so i think it's you know i think whether you've learned that in religion or just through life or whatever it's so it's really harmful to have that kind of narrative in your mind because you know if you're not able to enjoy stuff you're probably not able to be loving towards others either yeah. you know i really i relate to that so strongly and especially what you said about since since everything's moved online this year um i so i really believe that who we are is kind of shaped by our relationships and the people around us and so we really need a sense of community uh, you know whether that's whether that's a church or just the guys you go to the pub with or whatever, just a, just a sense of people who you kind of connect with regularly to help you know who you are. Um, and having missed that this year, having lost a lot of that sense of community, both through, you know, beginning to work online. Uh, also uh, about a year ago, I went through a, a breakup that for, for a relationship that I've been in for 10 years and we were living together and that kind of stuff and having lost all of that stuff and suddenly feeling like, like an atom, like kind of just like, like a soul, like just being solo, I guess, just like, um, I found it really difficult to just get a hold of who I am, what direction I want to move in and that kind of stuff. And I was thinking that actually while I was reading your blog, because I used to blog quite a lot and, um, I had, you know, a, a small number of people who'd regularly comment and say, Oh, you write really well, Tim, you should, you know, it's really cool. And, you know, we're very supportive. Um, but I've got to a place where just about anything that I do online, as soon as I post it, I become really self-conscious about it. Um, so whether that's a blog or even an Instagram post, like let's say on Instagram, I've got, I don't know, 150 or so people who follow me and everything that I put up on Instagram, there's always a little voice in me that goes like, 
that person who you really respect will think that's really stupid and lame what you've just done. Or that person who you think is really funny is going to think that you're taking yourself too seriously. Or that girl that you fancy is going to think your hair looks stupid in that one. And I like I often this year post stuff online and then come back to half an hour later and think, that's stupid. I don't know why I posted that. Um, And I think it's, I mean, obviously insecurity has always been around. Like, you know, I've had insecurities about stuff for 35 years and I'll continue to have it probably until the rest of my, uh, until the day I die, hopefully on a diminishing level. But definitely the thing about not having a community around you, about not having people who you see regularly and people who you know and trust love you. I think that's a big part of it makes like really highlights that stuff. I think it makes it really difficult to kind of like to deal with because you just want people around you to like, you know, if, if, if one in 20 people find my jokes funny, then I want those one in 20 people to kind of be around me so that I'm not self-conscious when I make a joke. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's really been my experience. Oh no. (laughs) Was that Siri? That was, that was Google, whatever the Google one. Sorry, my phone was on loud and someone phoned me and then Google got involved. Anyway, she's quiet now. Involved. That's all right. No <laughs> yeah, she is always listening to me, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. That's another um, podcast. Pardon? Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been really tricky. Hang on, I'm just going to take a moment to think about what you said because there's like, it definitely some stuff I wanted to say in response. Oh, yes. Okay. So, yeah. Well, firstly, I haven't followed you on Instagram for very long, but your content's great, so you don't need to worry. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> That's all I needed. Thanks. <laughs> is, um, I suppose, yeah, not, not that you've really asked me to comment on this, but I, I don't know. I find it, I find like the end of relationships actually really exciting and I think it's because um I think it's because of my own experience and actually I ended a relationship like in in recovery and it was it was like the most loving thing that I've ever done in my life and and I think it's I think it's like the most sort of trust that I've ever needed but it's also like the most at peace that I've ever felt with a decision and so even though it was like quite challenging. So I think it wasn't necessarily what the other person wanted at the time. It was, it was something that it it felt like it was being done with so much love that I felt so excited for like both of us in terms of like the, our opportunities for like, for being and for growing because, because it felt so loving and so true. I was like this, there can't possibly be a sort of negative outcome of this. And Mm -hmm. that feeling, as I said, like may have been, one-sided but it's you know I think it was like triggered by something you said like this atom sort of floating around like almost like I don't know who I am and I just think yeah for me I had had to be on my own to really understand who I am Mm -hmm. and I and I'd been in this relationship like pretty much since like for the whole time that I'd been in recovery for like two and a half or nearly three years and so I'd never lived my life without hating myself, like knowing who I am. And so it was like this really beautiful experience of kind of like, oh, I really get to explore that now. And, and 
you know find out who it is and I definitely I feel like I'm definitely doing that but I've even though I'm like in a relationship now it's something like we both acknowledge that we we need time like to do our own things to continue that process of like understanding Mm -hmm. who we are because I think it is really is really complex to do that actually in a relationship and I don't think I'd ever want to lose that I don't think I'd ever want to be too much like interrelated with that other person and forget like who I am because it's 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 really like wonderful part of life like exploring what we're interested in and what I enjoy doing and you know even having a conversation like this I don't know yes I like I, I love I love talking about god which you know again like five years ago that that sentence never would have come out of my mouth Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) but um it's just it's it's really cool i love yeah i love you know reading books about other people's either spiritual experiences or or you know experiences just of life and kind of what other people have gone through and how they've explored that idea of kind of themselves and yeah I'm just really like interested at the moment this idea of sort of becoming me but the fact that I'll always be becoming me like I don't think that will ever end but I'm just like really welcoming like that becoming and like all the different parts of it that feel right at different moments because I learn different things as a result of like different interactions with people at different times and Mm -hmm. yeah it's just cool I I, I really had to be on my own for a bit actually to realize I'm not saying you do, but like 10 years in a relationship is a long time. So yeah, yeah. Excited for you that you, maybe you're having like some of that experience. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, yeah, definitely I am. I think it, uh, yeah, it it's, depends on what my mood is and what's going on with the world. And there are days when like, obviously at the moment, so we're recording this on Christmas Eve uh, in tier four, national lockdown and it's kind of a it kind of feels like a sucky kind of a christmas this year and so the past kind of couple of days there's been kind of a lot of like uh things things would things would be a lot easier and more comfortable if i had somebody around to share you know and to to not be alone over this time and that kind of stuff like there's that kind of yearning i guess for comfort and for company and that kind of stuff um but then on other days when i'm in a more upbeat kind of positive place it exactly what you've just described it feels really exciting like it feels kind of like i could do anything i want i could move to scotland tomorrow if i wanted to i could you know there's so much kind of opportunity and potential um and yeah i think that kind of like breaking away from what you're comfortable with and familiar with and you know whether it's a relationship or a religion or you know a community or whatever it is is both of those things, isn't it? It's both mm. really exciting and a great opportunity. And, you know, you've got the whole world to explore now and what are you going to do with it? But also it's like, shit, I've got the whole world to explore. Like, I don't know what's around the corner. You know, there might be wolves over there. I don't know. Like, so it, yeah, it's both things. It's exciting and scary um, at the same time. Mm. I wanted to, I'm, I'm conscious we've been talking for an hour and I said that this would last about an hour, but there's just one thing which is related um, that I, I wanted to ask you about going back to the kind of recovery kind of process, mm-hmm. um, which was just about how you, um, what am I trying to say? So when I worked at a mental health hospital, mm-hmm. um, the, the two wards that I most enjoyed going to visit were the adolescent ward 
because there was always stuff going on. There was, you know, it was always busy, always, you know, young people who were eager to connect and to talk and the addiction recovery ward because people were exploring spirituality. So the idea of having a chaplain who they could talk to spirituality about was kind of seen as a positive thing. And so there was always kind of interesting conversations happening. The ward I probably found it most difficult to spend time on was the eating disorder ward mm. because it, what I learned through working uh, in the hospital was that eating disorders have a way of drawing you inside yourself, I suppose, and, and disconnecting you possibly from other people. And I found, I found it really hard to make connections with the people on the eating disorder wards because it felt like so much of what was going on with them was so internalized and so difficult to articulate that it was hard just to, to connect and to start a conversation. Um, and I just wondered, you know, you've, you've talked beautifully about the process of recovery and connection and discovering spirituality and that kind of stuff. And I guess what I'm asking is what it was that you needed to draw you out of that kind of the dark place of being at the kind of cold front of an eating disorder, kind of to, to kind of step out into the light and, and to learn to love yourself and that kind of stuff. I know that's a huge question, but like, um, what, yeah, almost like what was the catalyst? What was the thing that helped you to move towards recovery and to get out of that place? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's a really interesting observation. Um, and I think that, I suppose this feels really important for me to say, just because I feel like eating disorders are quite misunderstood. So there's just mm -hmm. a few sort of things I want to say about that and then I'll, I'll answer your question mm -hmm. I think um for me for me I, I very much see um a disordered relationship with food that gets to the gets to the stage where it's unmanageable and really affecting your life it it to me it's exactly the same process as addiction I I definitely see my eating disorder as an addiction and I've definitely experienced other addictive processes in my life both around sort of uh, relationships and substances mm -hmm. um and the other thing i think is uh that there's definitely a sort of spectrum of behaviors that people engage with with food which are all just as harmful coming from you know the same place within but i do think they are present they present quite differently and so i absolutely think generally speaking like this has been my experience those with uh, anorexia tend to be very withdrawn and very turned inwards um and there is a huge amount of sort of self-punishment that's going on there um mm. and i i've i very much suffered with uh both like exercise bulimia and like purging bulimia and for me bulimia is incredibly angry um okay and so although i did i would say there were times where i was maybe withdrawn it's um because my self-esteem was very low and i felt very uh like i felt very judged and i didn't want people to look at me i think they're probably probably uh i would say those with anorexia tend to be like more withdrawn perhaps but that's that's just been my experience and then of course there there are people who often get overlooked who are uh you know who suffer with binge eating disorder and that for me 
we are all compulsive overeaters. Whether someone is underweight, overweight, normal weight, doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. Everyone is suffering from the same uh, inter internal process. And the food is just, is just a uh, symptom of that really. Okay. And so, so your question was, um, what did I need? Um, and it's kind of twofold for me. Um, I needed desperation and I needed hope. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, the reason I needed desperation, and I think what I mean by that is, I needed the food to stop working. So for me, food was a coping mechanism. I, you know, as I've expressed, like I had quite poor self-esteem. I didn't think very highly of myself. I, you know, I didn't have a very well adapted kind of coping mechanisms for my emotions. I didn't know how to express them or talk about them very well. And so, and so it became a very uh, sort of harmful mechanism with which I processed things as as a way of yeah I guess trying to like self-regulate some to some degree um and for a long time like a long time probably you know 10 years those coping mechanisms were working okay they were serving me they were giving me like ease and comfort that I was looking for and then when when they were no longer serving me when they started to cause me more harm and really kind of become unmanageable and take me away from things in my life that I really cared about that was when that's kind of where the desperation came in I was I I really vividly remember and this wasn't even actually when I sort of started to really get well it was, it was sort of at the very beginning of the recovery process but it took me a bit of time after that I woke up one day and I just I I didn't want to eat but not even because I wanted to restrict myself from food mm -hmm. but because I just didn't want to throw up anymore and it just got to the point where for me eating resulted in throwing up at some point in the day and it was just getting so painful and I was so exhausted and I just thought I just thought either I need my life to be different or I don't want to live anymore. And I wouldn't say that I was suicidal. I wasn't planning to kill myself or anything, but I just knew I just couldn't possibly live like this for the rest of my life. And I didn't know how I was going to get out of it. I didn't, I didn't know if I was going to be able to. It felt so all-consuming. But I had that desperation in as much as I was just like, there's, there's got to be another way. Like this cannot possibly be my life. It just didn't feel right to me there was there was a tiny little glimmer of hope I guess that life could be different I think mm. if I'd have believed that it couldn't be different I don't know where I'd be today to be honest because it it got pretty miserable yeah. um and and you know and yeah I just I wasn't willing to live like that anymore and then I guess um the hope comes in I suppose a bit with that, like believing that somehow, some way there is like another, another way to live that isn't like this. Um, but I, I needed hope because my eating disorder had become such a comfort blanket that 
giving it up it was like giving up a best friend or like mm. giving up a part of me it was like so it was so part of me it was like the thing I was so in control of and it was it was my secret that even when it wasn't really a secret anymore it was just it was something I had like that was me sort of against the world and I don't know why that was so important I guess well I do because I hadn't felt safe in the world for a long time. I think that's probably a story for another day, mm -hmm. but I didn't feel safe and that gave me safety. So I needed to hear that I was going to be safe without my safety blanket, essentially. Yeah. And it was stories of other people who had let go of their safety blanket and were not only safe, but were thriving that I think gave me the hope that I needed to just keep trudging but essentially because mm. it was a trudge it was not an easy process and I'm so so grateful um I'm, I'm it's been nearly four years since I engaged in any of my bulimic behaviors and honestly wow. on that day like six and a half years ago when I when I knew I wanted to live a different way part of me really believed I was going to have to have bulimia for the rest of my life I just didn't think it was possible to to not be bulimic I thought that was just like my destiny and it was shit basically mm -hmm. but um but it's not it's not and life is 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 huge and wonderful and and inspiring today and awesome in the most awesome way it can yeah. be um and but yeah it's been it's been a yeah six year process to get to that to get to a Christmas Eve where I'm not freaking out about about what I'm going to eat or look like on Christmas Day, basically, which is quite yeah. wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. And so I think, um, uh, I, yeah, I really resonate with what you said. I can't remember the exact words you used about um, we're all compulsive overeaters. I think was something, and and I I really strongly relate to that. I think that um, I recognise addictive behaviors in my own life um and my own little compulsions and i've never none of those things have ever got to a point where they stop me from doing the things that i want to do with life so they've never kind of got me to a point where i need to or or like i feel like i need to enter into a kind of a recovery process in the same way that you did um but i'm aware of them and i think probably as you said i think we all have that because we're all i think I guess scared in some ways. And so we have these little things that give us comfort and reassurance and we all want to be loved. Um, and just what, what you finished by saying there that a better life is possible um, is really encouraging, uh, personally really encouraging. And I'm sure it'll be really encouraging to the people who listen to this podcast as well, because it can, it can be easy to not believe that I think. And especially I think after the year that we've had after 2020 with COVID, with all of the isolation, with all of the drama and the world news. Um, I think lots of people, uh, and I include myself in this to a point, um, just have a kind of view of the world as it's just a bleak place and things are only going to get worse, you know, like whether that's on a personal level or on a kind of global level, but just kind of a sense of like, almost dread before checking the news like what awful thing is going to be happening today but just that thing that like it it can be better there is a better life it, individually as well as communally you know like for you as a person but also for us as humanity there is there is hope there is a better life and i mm -hmm. wonder if 
what you just described on a personal level about getting to the point of almost rock bottom and wanting something more maybe as a society as a kind of as a community of humanity maybe we're approaching that kind of a place with climate change and covid and all that kind of stuff maybe there's some hope in saying you know fuck we've seen how bad things can get maybe this is a waking up moment maybe Mm. this is a kind of like you know i don't know i don't know uh I, yeah it's, it's kind of hard to believe at times but i i do have some hope that maybe we are beginning to wake up a little bit i don't know i do i do as well and i'll just end on this because as, as you said we're sort of getting to time and but yeah. um i i do i do have that hope um i also i think what i've come to recognize is that um like 98 percent of my experience in this in this life is an internal experience. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, all of those things that are happening externally, they're all as a result of like people's internal experiences. Like I kind of see everything, everything is a structure that we've created, you know, but very little is actually a thing that you can like hold on to, you know, even where we work, if you think about sort of hierarchies, it's, it's just meaning that we give to things, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's, it's so no one, we're all, we're all equal. No one is, is better or worse than anyone else. And yeah. so for me, I, I really do hope that there is uh, an awakening. There is, um, you know, a loving consciousness that, that becomes stronger and more embedded like in humanity, but, also i it's it's an internal job for me i you know if i keep working on that stuff for myself like that i do believe that will have some ripple effect no matter how big or small even if it just means that one other person in the world in my lifetime feels slightly more loving as a result of something i've done Mm. it's worth doing that internal work for me and so it's I mean, it's very rare that I actually even engage in the news. I have done a bit more this year. I felt a bit forced into it, but mm-hmm. oh, it depletes my joy so quickly. I just can't bear it. And so, you know, I'd rather engage. I did this beautiful meditation the other day and, and the woman encouraged, encouraged me to say out loud all the things that I love, like the experiences that I love, like, you know, getting into the sea or just Mm -hmm. sitting in a room with my family or you know my cat coming and licking my face in the morning and it two minutes of saying out loud the things that I love and I felt like warm and buzzing with love it was so beautiful and if I can just do that each day rather than watch the news then like already my life is better Mm -hmm. you know and I think Mm -hmm. it is it's such internal work like kind of kind of the result of a, a year like this um has yeah. been like yeah a huge amount of like acceptance and gratitude lists that's needed to happen this year for sure yeah and i got like you describing doing that meditation and the things that you love i got a little dopamine boost just from listening to you talking about it so th- there's definitely something in it um i think that's a great place uh, to to wrap up um so just to say i mean thank you so much for for giving me you know an hour and a half of your christmas eve but but more importantly i'm um, just thank you for 
your story and for sharing. Um, I, you know, I, I feel like we haven't got to know each other that well at work yet, but I'm really glad to know you. Uh, you know, I, I, I loved talking to you. I love talking to you at work. And I think that your, your stories and your wisdom can and will and do like really help people and encourage people. So um, I'm sure that people will be encouraged by this podcast and just generally by you being you. So um, I'm grateful to you uh, on all sorts of levels. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks for, yeah, asking to talk to me. I've actually, I feel like I've manifested this. I've been, yeah, I've been thinking about podcasts and YouTube and someone told me I had a great podcast voice the other day. Definitely. And like, oh, yes. And then you asked me and I was like, yes, I'd love to be on your podcast. So it's Brilliant. definitely been bubbling. So yeah, I really appreciate it. It's, it's been cool. great. So while you guys were watching that, or listening to that, I walked down the road from the ruins of St. Peter's Church to where I am now, to Ulrisford Creek, which flows in from the River Colne, which in turn flows in from the ocean. And in a way, aren't we all a bit like this creek, in that we all flow from the infinite loving waters of God the Creator? No, I'm just kidding you with that shit. I just like it here. Um, I, I said at the beginning I like ruins. Check these ruins out. Um, I just love the like the wooden skeleton and the rusted metal of who knows what it used to be. I don't know. Someone who knows something about water and rivers and boats could probably tell me, uh, but I certainly can't. Um, so look, uh, I'm just here to say thank you for listening. And once again, a huge thank you to Charlotte for just uh, gracing me with such an intelligent, interesting, uh, fun conversation. Um, I don't know Charlotte as well as many of the other guests I've had on this podcast. Many of the other guests. I've only done six episodes of this. I don't know Charlotte as well as some of the other guests on this podcast. But I'm super glad to have landed a job that allows me to meet cool interesting vibrant people like her with great stories to tell um like i said at the beginning do check out her blog uh it's brilliant it's it's personal and well written and full of meaning uh, and i i'm confident that if you enjoyed that conversation you'd love what she has to say again i'll put the link in the show notes that's it thanks for tuning in to this episode and i'll catch you guys on the next one farewell <laughs>